Today's entrepreneurial community is bigger than it's ever been. From seasoned entrepreneurs to newcomers entering each day, they're all looking for a mentor, someone to guide them, someone who's grown and scaled the business to answer the questions that plague us in an ever-changing market each day. Welcome to the Connected CEO Podcast with Tom Cardella, where we'll attempt to answer some of these questions. Tom's going to share his vast experience from growing several companies, how you can be a connected CEO with your employees, customers, and the surrounding entrepreneurial community at large. Without further ado, here's your host, Tom Cardella. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Connected CEO. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Tom is not with us today, but uh, as you heard from the last episode, some great stories there. And we really want to start diving in as we move into Q4 on understanding not just Tom, but the organization at TLC. And we're going to be talking to various team members that work with Tom um, from the C-level uh, all the way down because it really is you know that type of company where, where a lot of different people are involved. And you've heard Tom talk a lot about culture and team, and I think it's important too to also hear that from the team members. And they're going to give great advice, uh, and I'm really excited about the guest we have today, Carrie Gay, who is the COO of TLC and Associates. And, and Carrie, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and then we'll dive into this. Sure, we'll start out with my background. Uh, I have a hard time believing it myself, but I've been in an industry for more than 30 years. So I'm gonna go with I started as a toddler. <laughs> but but I, I've worked in the business for that long on both sides of the fence. I've been the supplier, I've been the customer. I've done work nearshore, offshore, domestically, uh, I have fortunately, unfortunately, traveled the globe as part of my career in this industry. I've seen some really cool places. I've seen some places I'd never want to go back to again. And a lot of what I ended up doing over the course of my time in this business was I can't expect people to do something if I myself am not willing to do it first or in conjunction with them. So I've been around the world literally as part of this, and I've been at times the first person from the organization to go there at times i've been the person who's gone back 25 times to those cities and countries so you know that's interesting you brought up an interesting point kind of about the the global economy and seeing you know things happen different in different areas and i know you've been in this industry for a while how has it changed though to where it's gotten smaller right because i imagine maybe even 15 20 years ago uh working having another site you know overseas was much different than it is today because of technology Oh, absolutely. Technology has made it easier for a lot of things. And in this current environment of COVID-19 and the world of Zoom and WebEx and Microsoft Teams and RingCentral and probably another dozen video conferencing products I've used over the course of the last six months makes some things a lot easier and some things you just can't do virtually. And that face-to-face in-person goes a long way. So... The necessary evil is sometimes you get on a plane and travel for 24 hours to get to some of these locations. Yeah. What I found out is, while it's still something that's important to do, the reasons why you do it seem to have changed because there's a lot of things that you can do with customers via video that before you had to do or thought you had to do face-to-face or in person in the location, in the site. And nowadays what we're finding out is, it's still important to be in touch with the team face to face with that frontline management goes a long way to building credibility and building trust. And we're all about building relationships in this business versus having to go with the client to do 
sort of the presentation and demonstration for them that a lot of that can be done virtually. And we've managed to do that quite successfully over the course of the last six months at TLC Associates. Yeah. And I know, obviously, you know, we all know the change COVID's happened and from education to uh, entertainment, right? I mean, I think uh, Zoom and like you said, Teams and all these meeting softwares, uh, whether it's the NBA finals, whether it's, uh, I think I saw a script reading the other day that, that a bunch of uh, actors were doing. They're all doing it on these communication things that maybe I think before we thought, man, is anyone really going to enjoy that? Um, is anyone going to find it entertaining? And now we're finding that it works in business, like you said, to sort of build up that trust and build up that interaction. You know, that being said, too, I think change happens swiftly, right? With COVID, we, we experienced it swiftly, like you said, and, and everyone adapted. But you've come into industries where they've been in that growth phase, where they're in that startup or that startup period. And then they really want to grow up and, and uh, for lack of a better term, become a big boy or a big girl company, right? <laughs> they want to they wanna really sort of take the next step. What is sometimes the most difficult thing in that transition operationally for a business to make that happen? I think the single biggest challenge is folks want to keep things flat, keep things streamlined, and look at certain necessary evils as are there a way for us to avoid it. So for lack of better terms, coming in from organizations that were a little bit larger and global in scale, I'm considered the necessary evil in TLC Associates because I'm making sure that do we have the right process, procedure, documentation in place? Professional development training, I definitely want to talk about that and, and dig into that a little bit. But obviously, you know, making these changes in the organization, I think when you're in the startup phase, you start off very grassroots. How do you know when, though, it's time to make that change, right? And, and you know, you're the, the CEO of the company and, you know, a lot of times, Entrepreneurs starting out, they want to be the CEO and they want to do everything, right? Like they want to, you know, from signing the checks to hanging the pictures on the wall and running the business, they want to do it all. How do you know as an entrepreneur, it's time to bring in someone like yourself to help really manage the day-to-day -day things of the organization? Well, I think part of what makes Tom somewhat unique is he does very much want to be involved and keep his, you know, hand on, hand in the, on the tilt tiller, so to speak, as well as, you know, the thumb on the pulse of the organization. But he's realizing that some things, it's just too far into the minutiae for him to deal with. Mm -hmm. And he's better served to look at and say, let's look at how we're going to grow the business from a strategic perspective and have folks that identify and focus on what are the steps I need to take from a tactical basis to be successful today and set myself up for organic growth with existing customers, whether it's increasing same line of business, adding new lines of business, adding new geographies. So building the relationship and understanding what's going on, that's what we need for Tom to focus on and continue to have us move forward. That doesn't mean we operate in a vacuum. That means I have to force Tom into sometimes understanding that Meetings need to be scheduled, meetings need to happen, and you need to be a participant, even if sometimes you're an unwilling participant, because that goes against the entrepreneurial gain, uh, you know, grain. Mm -hmm. But for us to move forward, the best way to keep Tom informed is those quick, concise update meetings, as well as updates, whether it's a text, a phone call, or an email it's been a fun six months thus far with TLC Associates. Some days it seems like it's been years and years, but part of that is once upon a time I was a TLCA customer. So I have a sense for most of the senior management in your organization before I came on board. And I had an opportunity to look at this from both sides of the fence and say, what do we want to do differently to get to a better place from a process and systems and procedure perspective? 
I, I love that explanation too. And it, it, it is so true. You want to maintain that entrepreneurial spirit, but sometimes we have to, you know, break some things that we're used to. And sometimes you've been on that entrepreneurial journey for a long time. You know, what is it though about TLC? And I know you said you were a customer and and, and now you're kind of working within the organization. You can see both sides. What is it about TLC though, that, that makes them unique in the industry? What, what really makes them stand out? I think one of the things that are different is that, you know, Tom knows a good percentage of the employee base on a first name basis from having been out to locations, from interacting with whether it's a frontline supervisor, visiting a site and they happen to have a training class and taking the training class sort of off their pre-planned agenda, but spending 35, 40 minutes with the class to give them some sense for what the company is like, what he's all about, how we wanna try and move the business forward. And at the end of the day, for us to be successful, we need for people who want to be successful and realize that that frontline agent sitting in that chair needs our support, needs our help. And if we're going to be successful, they need to be successful first. Yep. So that seems to be the approach that it's hard to say that Tom has a family of you know, 1,400 employees, but by and large, Tom's approach is those 1,400 employees should be treated like family. And they should be treated like your favorite aunt or uncle or favorite brother or sister, as opposed to your least favorite relative. So that's what we try to accomplish. We get people to see that there is significant opportunity to move forward in the organization. I would say the number is probably north of 90%. But our program managers, operation managers, site directors, as a general sense, are homegrown and have come up through the system and said, hey, if I can do this, so can you. Part of it is hard work and determination from the individual. Part of it is being in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. And part of it is asking for and receiving the help you need to further develop. So that's one of the things that really I find to be exciting about the organization. And what we've decided as an organization that whenever possible, if the best person for the position exists within the four walls, that's what we should do. If, however, the best person for the position doesn't exist, what is the compromise you make if you go with the best available person versus the best person? So getting the organization to understand that sometimes it's okay to look outside our four walls because we want the best possible person to set ourselves up for success. That's been a little bit of a struggle for me coming in as an outsider to explain for the management teams at a local level, it's okay to look outside your four walls. You don't need to be constrained. And, and, you know, too, I, I know you mentioned that connection Tom has with everybody last Christmas. I got to visit a couple of sites with him and, you, could, you know, I would get there before him a little bit. And you could see the energy there. People knew that, that, that they were going to have the opportunity to talk to him and shake his hand and, and say something. You know, they dressed a little bit nicer that day. You know, some people had, you know, full suits on because they knew Tom was coming. Um, and I think, too, it, it's because of the areas you guys go into, right? You're going into the neighborhoods where you're really becoming a part of that. Um, but now it's opened up to where, and I think when you talk about talent, creating that culture remotely, right? Like you have the ability, I know you're not on site. Um, you're, you're not in a corporate office. You travel around a lot. You visit a lot of things. How is that for you on a day-to-day basis, managing the, the remote, you know, not being there? I know a lot of people are now new to this situation, but you've been doing this for a while. How do you manage that on a day-to-day? Well, like you said, I have sort of a leg up on most of the folks because I have been working virtually for a number of years. And to a certain extent, even if I were situated in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, with an office in the corporate facility, the reality of it is I'm dealing with people that are in Las Cruces, New Mexico, 
El Paso, Texas, soon to be the Dominican Republic. We have folks in India. I've got folks in other sites in Iowa. So the reality of it is, even if I was sitting in corporate, I'm still working virtually with nine other locations and those management teams, as well as dealing with clients, either video conference or over the phone, Mm -hmm. even if I did have an office in corporate. So a lot of what I do, where I am, doesn't make that much of a difference. The part that makes a difference is when folks see me as just just a regular guy, just like them, who is interested in how do we help people be successful today and achieve where they want to be professionally and personally as a result of their being an employee at TLC Associates. That's awesome. And I know too, um, you know, as we look at this industry, but you know, you know, we all know that, you know, I, I love all the COVID cliches, right? We're pivoting, life's never gonna be the same, change, all that. But you know, any industry grows, right? And any industry goes through change. I think even with with the disease and and even but as technology is changing, how do you see, you know, where do you see the future of your industry, you know, as it relates to TLC or even the industry as a whole within the next five years? I think part of what we're realizing in the world of COVID-19 is there's a larger percentage of jobs, positions, roles that don't need to be centrally located. Our challenge near term is coming up with the right infrastructure platform that allows us to offer virtual employment outside of our geographic footprint while still maintaining all of the compliance and data security challenges that we have to, to keep our customers' information safe and maintain that compliance that we need to do in order to win new business. But what we've seen is in the industry as a general statement, if you would ask anybody, whether it's a TLC associates person or somebody who's at one of the, you know, the billion dollar a year revenue BPO firms, the idea of doing virtual agents in India or the Philippines or in a nearshore market market like Panama or, or Honduras or St. Lucia. The idea of having that work being done virtual a year ago, people would have laughed and said, we can't do it. Right. What the industry has figured out is in order for the industry to move forward, that was a necessary, we need to figure this out sooner rather than later in the world of COVID. Because when you have entire cities, states, or countries shutting down, The work still needs to happen. Client demand doesn't go away and it becomes how creative can we be with solutions and how do we make it so that those solutions are not just near term for today, here's how I can solve it, but viable long-term solutions. So, I mean, we were forced to figure out work at home after we got client approvals and permissions when we had to govern in one of the states where we have facilities say that even though we're an essential business, you need to have 100% of your workforce on-site reduced. So we were forced into the deep end. We pivoted to steal one of your earlier phrases, Mike. Mm-hmm. We pivoted to a solution. It wor- it's working. It's a near-term solution. But in order for us to grow our business with work at home opportunities, we need a better long-term solution. And that's what we're working on from a technology perspective. Interesting. And I know, too, when it comes to technology, you guys have invested a lot in, in human capital, right? You invested in people. You mentioned the areas you're in culture. Why is it important in your industry, though, to not just automate everything, not just make it a press one, you know, say what you want and, you know, have the AI answer all the questions. Why is the human touch so important? I think the human touch is important, not because we can't automate portions or segments or speed things up 
and where that opportunity exists because it's a simple, straightforward transaction, we're looking at doing those types of things. But at the end of the day, if you're not sure how something works, all that ends up happening is when you press one, then press seven, then press five, and you're still frustrated, talking to a person helps you get that past, past that stumbling point. Mm-hmm. So the, the human factor and the interaction is never going to go away, but where you can make that automation look seamless and speed up the process for the customer and not create tension points for them, that becomes an opportunity for everyone. But at the end of the day, how do I get the answer to, this, you know, to my problem? it's going to entail talking to a person who has some level of expertise and has dealt with this problem before. Because my, myself as an end user consumer, I struggle sometimes with how do I get this new phone to work? So I made the leap of faith at the beginning of this calendar year to switching to a VoIP phone. Uh-huh. So I've got this great product that I know nothing about. And it did take three visits to the website, two YouTube Googles, and finally a phone call saying, what am I doing wrong? Because I can't get my message to be set up on the answering service portion of this VoIP phone. So at the end of the day, somebody who I like to consider myself reasonably intelligent still struggles. And I need somebody to help me solve a problem. And sometimes machines can't do that. And sometimes self-help can't do that, yep. whether it's YouTube or Google or what have you. So that's sped up the process for a lot of people but you're still going to have a significant portion of what needs to be solved needs to be handled by a person. That's so true. So true. And, and, and like I said, I think it's, it's uh, you're never going to, you know, I know a lot of times I'm someone who just hit zero until I get somebody on that I can talk to. Um, but Carrie, man, this has been great. I really appreciate you being on. I think it's a, it's a great insight into, um, you know, I think TLC and, and those of us who enjoy the connected CEO podcast to learn a little more about, the organization, how you guys are going. I think there's some great advice for entrepreneurs out there on culture, you know, business scalability uh, and how to do things. So I think this has been super, super informative. I just really want to thank you for your time and thank you for being on. Thanks, Mike. And I apologize if I don't sound just like Tom. We'll see how many folks realize that it wasn't Tom. This time. <laughs> yeah, maybe we won't say it in the beginning. We'll cut that out. And uh, But if you want to do a voice comparison, you can always go to the connectedceo.com and hear more great episodes like this with Tom. And like I said, we're going to have some more episodes coming up with the team here in Q4. We appreciate you and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Connected CEO with Tom Cardella, where we're connecting you to the greater entrepreneurial community at large. To learn more about Tom, visit theconnectedceo.com and follow him on all of his social media outlets. We'll see you on the next episode.